Hello and welcome to episode 49 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Hills, founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I help service-based businesses to define and grow their brand and business. And today I am joined by Stacey Shipman, speaker, consultant, and founder of her business, Engage the Room, and host of her own podcast, Shed the Formality. So thank you so much for joining me today, Stacey. Oh, thanks, Tammy. It's really good to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation today, listeners. Today, Stacey and I are going to be talking about how to network like a natural. Is it possible? I absolutely believe it is. However, (laughs) I do understand the nerves that can be kind of associated with it. Like I love networking and although I appreciate it has changed significantly in format due to kind of events of the last year, Mm -hmm. um, it's still a key and, you know, a fantastic way to establish and grow your business and network. Um, And Stacey, I mean, I love starting each episode by making sure that everyone's on the same page. So let's strip it right the way back to basics and really establish what is networking at its heart. And how does it help us as small businesses? I see it as relationship building. It's the opportunity to build, as you said, the relationships that we need as solo and small businesses um, to grow. And that, and the relationships might be prospects, it might be client relationships. But I think even more importantly than that, it's thinking beyond the, oh my gosh, I need a client and, and creating support networks. Uh, whether we are a support to someone else or we need support in our business. So in the grand scheme, it's about building really solid, long-lasting relationships. I love that. And absolutely, I think I think people tend to forget that the word network is in there because it's not about a one-to-one relationship. It is about creating a literal network of people that you know, people who know you, And I think that that's kind of the key point as well, isn't it? It's not just that client relationship, exactly like you said, it's those long-term relationships with other individuals and other business owners. Yeah. So, and and it works both ways as well. I mean, networking, a lot of us tend to think that networking is a way to go promote our business, maybe meet a couple of people, but I've had not only clients and collaborations and other business owners that I've met through that, but some of my best friends who Mm -hmm. I speak to every day (laughs) and now the people that I've met through these networking groups. Yes. It's so true. I mean, when I first started my business in 2006, my husband actually said, if you want to build a business, you need to network. And I had no idea at the time what that meant. Having worked in corporate, it's not something I ever had to do. So I Googled it. (laughs) Like, what is it? Let's Google. (laughs) Uh, But I did, I found a local group to me and I went and, you know, it was a lunchtime lunchtime meeting. And my thought, I was so naive. I thought, oh, great. All I have to do is go to this one event and, and I'm going to have all the clients I need off the ground. And, <laughs> and then it was like, uh Oh, that's not, that's not what it is. And that's not how it works. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a hard I mean, lesson. Im- imagine if it did though. I remember. I know. I'd love to hear more about your your first networking experience because mine, I remember it so clearly and I'd love, I'd love to share it in case other listeners are out there and they're like, I don't know what it's going to feel like. My networking now is very different to my networking then. 
And my networking when I first started, which was four years ago, I hated talking to people. Like I did not like talking to people unless it was specifically about what I did because I love my work and I'm very passionate about it. But talking about me and myself, I found it really awkward. Um, socially awkward. Hi. <laughs> now runs a podcast. Things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember the reason that I settled on a business name and a website and everything was purely because I booked onto this networking event. This networking event was the thing that put that fire up my backside to get my stuff together because I've been talking about having a business for so long and I hadn't done anything for it. So I booked onto this event that was in like two weeks time. It was on a Thursday night in a place that I had never been before. And I remember like two days beforehand, I was creating these little envelopes that had printed out leaflets and they had like my business card in there and I had these branded stickers that I'd made up and I put them all on there and I was so nervous I think I handed out one because I was just like I don't know who to talk to a friend came with me because I felt so out of sorts Mm -hmm. (laughs) so can you relate was your first experience (laughs) yeah So, so two things. One, I'm I am working on a book project, and the first chapter is, oh shit, you mean I have to talk to people? Because <laughs> I, I think that's true for a lot of people who have business ideas or other ideas, and then they're like, wait, I have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but so for me, it was I remember perfectly, even though it was 15 years ago. I, I driving up in my car, I felt excited, right, because I had this business idea and wanted to make sure people knew about it. And then as I walked down the hall to the function room where they were holding the event, I could hear all the voices, you know, laughing and talking. And all of a sudden my heart rate, my heart started racing. My hands were getting sweaty. My thoughts were just like out of control. What if they think I'm silly? What if they don't like me? You know, it was like walking down the the hallway of my high school instead of walking (laughs) into a business networking event. And I, so I walked down the hall and then I started to talk myself out of it. And I said, nope, can't do this. Turn around, go home. Don't go in that room. Walked back down the hall. And then I said, no, if you don't go in there now, you're never going to go in and then you'll have to get another job. And I was like, that is far more painful than turning back around and walking into that room. (laughs) So, so I walked into the room and what really helped, I mean, you even just said, Tammy, how you brought a friend Mm -hmm. because you didn't know who to talk to. And I think that's often the biggest roadblock, you know, as you go to these alone, you don't know anybody that is incredibly awkward for a lot of people. And Uh, what happened for me in that moment was there was a woman at the front that she happened to be the executive director of this organization. And she greeted me with a smile and introduced herself and asked me about myself. And then she introduced me to someone else. So she made that first introduction for me. And that, that really stayed with me because throughout the, and that made things a little more comfortable in that moment I still didn't talk about myself a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I, I showed up and I got there. That's the first step. But I've been to events over the years where people don't even greet you at the door. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what, what am I, you know, what's happening here? And, and that I think is just for a lot of reasons, it is not a good way to run any kind of event. 
Um, but it stayed with me. And now that I run my own, I made the commitment. I said, you will be greet. I will greet everybody who walks in that door or on zoom. Now I say hello. Um, and I will, you know, this was in person and I will make sure you get introduced to your first person. Because I do think once that anxiety of who am I going to talk to? And is anybody going to want to talk to me? Once that is gone, I think it's a lot easier than to move around and talk to other people. That's one aspect of it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And like I have had, I don't think I've ever fully got over the nerves of networking, even now where it's like four years later. And I was a prolific networker. I would take time off of my day job to go to daytime networking events. I would go in the evenings. I do lunchtime ones. Like I networked a lot in the early years of my business, particularly locally. Um, And I, I found that it helped me in so many ways, not just with my business, but also with being comfortable with talking about myself and being interested in hearing from other people and like learning how to speak to people as well. So it helped me kind of manage this social anxiety side that's always been kind of there. And I contribute a lot of my success from them as a person and a growth as an individual to the networking that I did. But I have been to some horrific events. (laughs) (laughs) That makes two of us. (laughs) It's so funny because when you sign up, particularly if you're trying to find new networks, because and I'm sure this is something that we can talk about a little bit more later on, is like you you find your network that you're happy and comfortable with, but it's trying new networks as well and meeting new people and expanding the people that you know so that you can have these new conversations. And I've been to places where it's been suited and booted, which is not my vibe. Like I'm, I'm not kind of that corporate level anymore because I don't, it's just, you know, my sarcasm would not go down effectively well there. I like to find my people. Um, yep. And local ones, I often found that there were sometimes a combination of local ones where it's more hobbyist, which is wonderful, but not necessarily where I was looking for. So it's important that you find the networks that kind of fit your business needs as well as your personal needs. And like you said, Um, being that awkward person at those events where I felt really like a fish out of water and not knowing who to speak to made me now be very conscious of making sure that if I see someone stood on their own, like go and introduce yourself, go and ask them about their business, ask them what they're up to. Mm -hmm. You don't have to point out that they're stood on their own and is this your first event? Are you nervous? (laughs) But you can go over and say, you know, make a light conversation, break the ice, ask them what they do. Yep. No, I absolutely agree. And I used to do that too. The other thing I did to help myself ease in is I took on different leadership roles within the groups that I was part of because um, I felt like that gave me permission to introduce myself on behalf of the organization. Now, 15 years later, there's pros and cons to that. Um, and we can talk about it if you want. Yeah, but it gave absolutely. me some ease in saying, "Oh, hi, I'm Stacy, and I'm whatever the membership coordinator on the membership committee. What brings you here? That kind of thing." The other part of the awkwardness is that it's just weird when the first question people ask is, "So, what do you do?" Yeah, and and that I think is a lot of the angst that people feel uh, because it uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's hard to talk about ourselves in a compelling way. It doesn't sound, you know, arrogant and egotistical, but if people don't need what you do, then the conversation is going to shut down right away. 
I mean, I can't tell you over the years before I kind of shifted with the pandemic and I would tell people um, there was a time when I was doing a lot of public speaking and presentation coaching. And when I would say that to people, oh, I love, I love speaking. I don't need any help. And it just, they don't, and then they don't want to get to know you. And I think that is, um, it shuts down so much opportunity and that's not how you build relationships is you know, we build relationships based on who someone is and finding commonalities and things we can talk about and get to know somebody personally. And then you have the conversation about, so what, you know, what is it that you do? And A, by then you, you tend to listen more because now you've got this connection with somebody and it's a lot easier to actually say, because it's a more relaxed way of doing it versus the whole tense. What do you do? Yeah. I find that you can generally kind of, I think that it does vary. I mean, there are events and I'm not saying that this is an insight into my world, but where I go tends to be lots of tea and cake. So that's always a nice conversation starter. Um, but I absolutely agree. I feel like there are certain circles and this isn't going to be tarring everyone with the same brush, but there are certain networking groups wherever you go, where it is kind of, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. But that for me is just, it's the least interesting thing about networking. I love networking because I get to hear about other people and hear about their businesses and like, oh, well, I know so-and-so who either also does that or has been looking for that, or that's really interesting. What made you start that? Like ask questions about why they got started and, and other passions and things that they have and try and continue those conversations because you never know who they know or who you know that you could, you know, hook people up together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know. I, mean, I don't know, Tammy, have you ever had that conversation with somebody and you just, well, kind of, I had it with you when we met, we met online in a Facebook group and, you know, you just get a, you get a sense when you meet somebody, it's like, oh, this, this is a cool person. I don't really know how we're going to be able to support each other, but I definitely want to stay in touch. Yeah. Right? yeah. You, you just, you never know. And too often, I think with networking, when, when we go in with a mentality of, I need clients, we shut down a lot of opportunities. Um, I actually just talked to somebody recently who comes to my events. She's not a business owner. She's an employee in a business. So that's always curious to me too, is why an employee who doesn't necessarily need networking, uh, or to understand what, you know, brings her out for networking. And, and she told me that it's, to hone her listening skills, to check her own bias and judgments towards others Mm -hmm. um, and not shut down opportunities to connect and and get to know people and and see where the the relationship goes Um, and to just keep her skills, her relationship building skills fresh because as a rising leader in her company, she needs to have trust and relationships and influence to get her ideas heard and acted on and, and attending regular events is how she makes that happen. So it's so much more than clients. It's really an opportunity. And and again, you said this earlier to develop yourself as a person and all of those skills make us better people. Yeah, absolutely. And also I'd love to throw in as well, those people who are currently employees, like you don't know if they're going to go off and start their own business. I know. Or if they yeah, need training or them. <laughs> who knows, or if they're going to need a coach at some point for, yeah, you just never know. You never know. 
And also the other thing is, I think last year in 2020 has been the perfect example of how people are now doing things that they never started off with. I know a wonderful person that I met through networking who was a corporate masseuse, used to go into corporations or events and do massage. And then over the course of the last year, she built her entire business, her whole massage business through LinkedIn because it was for corporates. And now she's pivoted to be this incredible LinkedIn trainer. But if you were to planned around and shot her down at a networking event because, oh, I'm not in a corporate and I don't need a massage. I mean, we all need a massage every now and then. But (laughs) now she's this incredible LinkedIn trainer who's sharing her knowledge on how she built her business through LinkedIn. And that could have been a, a, a beneficial network from a business perspective let alone the personal relationship that you're missing out on yeah we miss out on a lot if we're not willing to take the time and make the effort to a go to an event and meet people whether it's online or as we start to open up in person but more importantly staying in touch with those people that's often a missed opportunity as well or not as valued that you meet somebody once and you have to keep doing the work of staying in touch and maintaining that relationship. Yeah. That's like any budding friendship or anything, isn't it really? Like you have to keep in touch. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a three and a half hour one-to-one with them at some point <laughs> on a random Wednesday. Like you can keep in touch by email and not, hey, sign up to my email list, but like a personal email, ask them about the thing that you were talking about or Remind them that you're the one who really liked their cat-shaped pen or whatever it is that you connected over. Build on that connection. Get that relationship blossoming. Get it, it's true. I had a conversation with a colleague recently about this, uh, the difference between sales and networking too. You know, networking phone calls or events are not sales calls. Yeah. They are two different events. Yeah, absolutely. To be honest though, and it depends on your business and it depends on your circumstances, but me personally, like I will have a good feeling as to whether I would like to work with someone that I've met once. But if Mm -hmm. someone I handed my business card over to was like, yeah, sign me up now. I, I don't know. (laughs) That's a little bit of a red flag for me because they, they don't know you. You don't know them. You don't know if everything about your two businesses align. So you still need to get to know them. And that's exactly what networking is. It's getting to know them. I also want to throw in, and I'd love to hear your insights into this as well, of navigating the conversations and listeners, if you're if you're sat there going, oh my God, I've been sat there too. I have been in several conversations, probably more than several, where I just find that I'm suddenly just paralyzed because the person that's talking to me is not someone that I feel that connection with. It's not someone. And then you end up spending these, like the best part of a networking event, just feeling like you've got yourself a little bit cornered. Do you have any advice on how to kind of negotiate away from those conversations? Because I'm all ears. (laughs) (laughs) that comes up all the time. And it, I think it's, you know, especially if you have this people pleasing personality or you, you know, want to make sure that you don't rock the boat or that people like you, it's a very touchy one to work around. But the reality is when we're networking, we're there, we're doing it to meet different people. So we never want to get stuck in a conversation. And some of the, the, um, 
strategies I've personally used are, and that have learned over the years are simple statements like I don't, and this, you know, this one I get a little bit funny about because I almost, when someone does it to me, I'm like, oh, they're bored. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, that's or, or they're done. So, so I think you have to massage it a little bit to, to make it really work for you. But the whole notion of, I don't want to take up your, you know, too much of your time. And then it can either be, you know, if you really did enjoy the conversation, it could be, you know, I'd love to continue this conversation. You know, let's schedule a, a different time, more time to do that. Or thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It was really nice to meet you. I mean, they're not all going to be. So we, I think we, we a have to get over the whole people pleasing or I, I don't want to upset or disappoint anybody. Um, and then on our end, not take it personally, but we have a right to end the conversation so that we can continue moving along. If that's uncomfortable, then the other go-to hack I use is, uh, it's been great talking to you. I'm going to head to the restroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, right? Yeah, I'm just going to go and get another cup of tea after you've literally just chugged a scolding hot fresh mug. You're like, oh, ran out. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or, you know, I was only going to be here for a short while and you know, I'm going to head out now or something and just make sure you don't <laughs> run into them again. But <laughs> I think there are, it, that's a very, very difficult one for people. And that's where I think zoom makes that so much easier. Yeah. Let's if talk about online networking. Cause I know that it's kind of, I mean, we were talking about this just before we hit record where like, I understand if your eyes are rolling at the moment, listeners, because you're like, oh, I'm so zoomed out. I understand that. Like, I, yeah, me too. <laughs> but I don't think it's going anywhere. So, you know, everything has its time and it comes and goes. But yeah, how have you found being someone who does host and run these networking events from being in person to online? Because I would love to hear your experience as how your audience and the people that you have within your network have kind of meet like negotiated moving from one to the other when I first brought mine online I did them I only did them with four or five people even though in person I was getting like 50 because I had never facilitated anything on zoom so I wanted to make sure I knew the functionality and the technology but most people did it quickly because uh, we couldn't go anywhere right so so it was for that continued connection but now you know, I, we were talking before this, they are time efficient, cost efficient. You don't have to worry about weather or, you know, even if you're feeling a little bit, you know, you have a cold and you might not normally go out somewhere, you could still be part of a networking event on Zoom. So there's a lot of efficiencies that come with Zoom networking. You can expand your reach because yeah. you're not limited by geography, which is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm a big believer and it's a, it's a driver for everything I do is that boring, bland, and basic are default settings, but they are not the only setting. And so when I hear Zoom exhaustion, I want to know what kind of meeting you're on, whether it's, you know, client meeting, networking, whatever the meeting is, I want to know what's happening because I don't think I don't believe they have to be exhausting. And I know this because people have come to mine and when they leave, they tell me, I feel energized. I can't wait for the next one. So it's a matter of really understanding who you are and how you want to run 
the show if you if you are the facilitator and knowing how to create an experience for people that is fast moving and highly interactive what exhausts people in part is looking at themselves so we there is a hide self view option you don't have to look at yourself on zoom um, i've heard that on zoom meetings you have to switch things up every 7 minutes for people Wow. So a different activity, a different story, a different something. It's that fast to keep things moving. And same is true online as in person. The worst thing anybody can do in a meeting is talk at people. And so when folks are in an audience, and now especially on Zoom, where all they're getting is, you know, blah, blah, blah thrown at them or another PowerPoint they're going to tune out because they're, they're not really being engaged and you have to figure out, you know, and I've talked to people over the years who say, well, you know, you just, you can't keep people's attention. And I'm like, that's not true. It's absolutely not true. You have to know how to do it. And, and that takes a lot. It takes work. You have to know who you are, the energy you bring, what's interesting for people. You have to put yourself in their shoes. I really, I feel so strongly about this. It doesn't have to be exhausting. It doesn't have to be boring. If we're curious enough to know what engagement and how to really interact with people to keep their attention. I mean, attention wanes, of course, that's natural and normal, but you don't have to lose people. I kind of feel like the Zoom networking does get a lot of um, buzz around it from that Zoom exhaustion phase. But in all honesty, I have been to plenty of in-person networking events where I'm just sat there going, this is not a good use of my time. What, do you mind if I ask what they're doing? Like what's happening that makes you say that? It's kind of a combination. So there were a couple where I'm like, this is not the right audience for me as in either not the right overall vibe or there was that one time where I managed to go to a corporate networking. So literally so far out of my kind of realm of comfortable, <laughs> um, which was fine. You know, that's totally totally fine. That was my mistake. At least I tried it, but I always try and learn something. Um, but with zoom, uh, I'm trying to think of what else there have been a couple where they have been not to my taste. So it has been business networking when they're trying to make it so non-businessy and air quotes fun that I'm like, I don't find, I'm not getting any benefit from this. Like, instead of asking you to talk about, like, do your 10 second, 30 second business pitch, they're asking you random personal questions. And I'm like, there are too many people here. I can't, this is overwhelming for me. I don't know any of you well enough, quite frankly, to care about right. this very specific detail about maybe your ideal holiday destination, which sounds wonderful, mm -hmm. but I'm not a holiday person. So it's one of those things where it's just kind of, again, not my jam, but I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, well, I'm never going networking again. It was more of a, okay, so that event in particular wasn't my jam. Maybe I'll try again. Maybe I made a connection. Maybe I'll just have a look and see who was there that I didn't get a chance to connect with and see if there's anyone that I would like to strike a conversation up with. Um, because the beauty of the internet is she can stalk pretty much anyone in a professional context. Mm -hmm. uh, so true. Yeah, I think 
There have been plenty where they've been super fun. I went to one networking event that turned into a murder mystery party. It was amazing. Fun. That was so fun. And the people that they had there that were the the actors weren't actually actors. They were businesses who were there to network. So you had a guy who sold insurance that was part of the insurance scam that was happening in this murder. Oh, that's so great. I love that. It was wonderful. (laughs) So networking doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be the same. And I feel like wasting, again, in air quotes, an hour on Zoom at a networking meeting that's not quite to your vibe versus half a day or a whole day of going to an in-person one, I think, like you said, it's just so much more efficient. Like mm-hmm. you can attend more and find your find your tribe and find the right yes. environment for you to thrive in. Absolutely, and it does. It is trial and error. I think one of the things you said that I I didn't think worked in person. I don't think works in person, and it definitely I don't think works online. Is when you are in a large group and everybody has a chance to go around and introduce themselves. I would like to see that go away yeah. 100%, <laughs> no matter where we are. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard because, again, it's that whole, like, you're not going to be able to make a sale in that 30-second pitch. It's too much information for people to remember. And if you try and be too clever with your pitch, people don't know what you do. But if you try and make it too basic, people are like, I don't need that, I don't want that. But again, I don't think that the answer is sharing what your favorite breakfast is either. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, well, that's that's not how we break the ice. Yeah. So how do we break the ice then, Stacey? <laughs> well, I mean, real connection happens, you know, from the heart. So we have to be, there's a little bit of vulnerability. It's not about airing your dirty laundry, certainly, but it could even be as simple as, so why do you do what you do yeah. versus what do you do? You know, to, to get it more of the, the energy and emotion behind why we're even showing up at a networking event to begin with. You know, what do you love about your work? Um, what energizes or excites you about what you're doing? I mean, there's different ways of getting at some of these questions that are a little less rigid and a little bit more natural for people to fall into. Yeah, I absolutely love that. As someone who specializes in working to make sure that people are embracing their brand, which is the core values, like asking people about that is a fantastic way of getting to know someone. Because if you can align on a view or you can learn something new or you can get a feel for the type of person that they are and the passions that drive them, like maybe you have a shared driver, maybe you have a shared value. That's a wonderful way of connecting with people. Those are fantastic questions. Um, on my podcast, the first question I ask everybody is, so what did you want to be when you grew up and how, if at all, does that play out in your work today? And it takes us on this fantastic journey. And for a lot of people, they you know go back in time, like, wow, I haven't thought about that in so long. But the well, what's amazing about it is that the whatever it is they wanted to be. And I've heard everything from singer to astronaut to, I'm not sure, you know, I didn't have anything. I was just curious about a lot of things, but that all of the elements of those professions, if you will, actually show up in, in a lot of what they do. So I think there's core, (laughs) core tenets to who we are, whether we actually become an astronaut or not, but that desire to explore and try new things and, you know, that kind of experiment, the part of, you know, who we are. And I think, you know, from a networking perspective, it's really getting at that, like what drives us on the inside versus what's your business, which is more external. Yeah. 
And again, it's that whole playing into the, there's the quote, isn't it? People will forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. And mm-hmm. if you're sharing a part of how, a, a feeling part around your business, whether that's motivations or values or drivers, whatever, mm-hmm. you can do it in a strategic way if you want to. But if someone can reflect that back to you with something that moves them then you're you're going to make a stronger connection through that emotional connection than you ever could through just the words that you're exchanging absolutely oh, magic I feel like my mind's been blown a little bit there <laughs> well, <laughs> well I think you know there's a lot of the people I work with tend to be data and number focused they lead with their head mm-hmm. not their heart and the reality is we and they and so they struggle when they're presenting ideas or promoting themselves I always heard like you know, the client doesn't want to hear my data and they're not buying into it. Like, what's your relationship with them? And they, they say, I don't have one. Like, there's your problem because there's no connection, right? You don't know each other on a personal level so that you can have the conversation and say, hey, look, this is what the data says. And they say, well, hey, look, I don't like what the data says. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit more, it's a lighter conversation. It's a hard conversation, but it's a little lighter because there's already trust and and we and so it's we build that trust by sharing more of ourselves me and and in a lot of ways like i said as simple as just sharing why this work is even important to you goes a long way in helping open up somebody else's eyes and ears to see a different way it's like oh i get where she's coming from now okay let's have this conversation differently it's it is magical yeah it's context isn't it because from a data perspective it's like as using your example it's like here is the data I don't get why you don't get this but telling them what the what the data means for them and putting that context around it allows them to kind of connect to what it means rather than what it is and I guess that that's the same when you're making those connections from a networking point of view like you know, saying that you're, for example, for me, or say that, say you're a photographer. If you just tell someone that you're a photographer, there's literally no context there. But if you're like, oh, I'm a photographer who captures those first moments of when a child is born, making more of a connection just by putting a a little bit more context around kind of that emotional side. I was just going to say, it's the emotion behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we connect. It's the emotion. And we don't often do that in business. No, I think that there is more and more of a push coming through. There are, there's more that I see around. It's, it's tricky. And this might be a soapbox moment. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> there's this huge push around knowing your audience, knowing your why, knowing your purpose. And all of those are important when they hold meaning for you. I think making a why and knowing your audience when you don't actually understand, again, the context, why is that important? How does that influence? How do I use that? Is There's no point in doing the exercise if it doesn't connect with you because all of this emotional connection, trying to connect emotionally with other people and other businesses doesn't make any sense if you don't connect with your business. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's something I've been thinking about personally is kind of having because making shifts in my business over the last year for a tiny moment, I lost sight of why I do what I do in the first place. And that created a lot of tension. I was like, Oh my God, I've, I've like totally veered off the track of what, uh, what is totally true to me. Mm. 
And, and then once I got back on that track, I was like, okay, (laughs) 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 we've landed again. Um, but, but it is an emotional, it's visceral. Like I feel it when I'm totally in that. Why I, I feel it through my whole being. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier to talk to others as well. So when you come to do this networking, whether it's online, offline, in a one-to-one, whatever way that you choose to do it, if you feel and know your business in a way that, you know, you know what drives you, you know what motivates you, you know why you're, that's the other thing that I want to touch on as well, knowing why you're choosing to network. Because I think, again, it's not just that whole, oh, understanding that it's not just for clients, but why specifically do you want to network? Why are you specifically choosing to take this time out of your day to attend this specific networking event? Because once you understand that, I feel like that really, for me in particular, was the unlock to understanding where to find my like my people, because I used to go to quite a few networks where I never really felt like I fit in. I didn't quite understand why I was there, but I went because I was a member and I just wanted to keep showing up because it was networking and all networking's great, right? Nope. Nope. (laughs) So understanding and taking that time to really address why I left quite a few networks, but found that I actually had more referrals because I was spending my time focused in the areas that were aligned with me, my business, my drivers, and what I wanted to achieve. (laughs) When we're talking about networking, there was something that really stuck out to me on your wonderful speaker sheet that you sent across, which was about capturing attention and owning the room as an expert. So we've talked a lot around why you should go to networking, how to connect on that basis, that fundamental basic level when you go networking. But when it comes to showing up as the best version of you for your business, do you have any advice that you can share with the listeners on how they can really be present, even if they might be feeling those butterflies deep within? Yeah, you just said something and um, I'm going to challenge it if you don't mind. And you said, bring your best self. And I say, bring your whole self. Okay. And, and, and when I say that, I don't mean if you're angry, and, you know, <laughs> like have some emotional awareness and intelligence around how you show up. But I think a lot of what, you know, you might, some call it imposter syndrome, some call it self-doubt, whatever phrase you use, what often keeps us from showing up as the most confident version of ourselves is that we're hiding something. Mm. And it does speak to what we were saying earlier you know, there's a part of us that we don't think we can bring to a business setting, right? I take stand-up comedy classes. I take voice lessons. And I, I had questioned, like, can I bring that into business? And I'm like, mm, this is my whole message is shedding formalities. I have to bring this into business. So I'm trying to, feel, right. But I made sure I have come to see that that's some of the vulnerability we can share with people that makes us human. And what keeps people, I think, from really being grounded and that it's physical, like two feet on the ground, you know, no rocking and rolling, no crossing your legs, no crossing your arms, like take up space and be grounded. So there's a physical component. There's an emotional and attitudinal component. So it's all the things you say to yourself, the self-talk or stories. And then for me, the third component is really being grounded in who you are. And that's the whole the whole thing, if you're a singer, if you're a dancer, if you're a writer, if you're a spoken word poet, if you're a knitter, I, I don't, whatever, whatever it is, cat mom, kid mom, wh- wherever you fall, we shouldn't have to hide 
any parts of ourselves. And I think when we do, that's where we start to, to compare ourselves to others. You know, I've, I've worked with people over the years who have told me, I'm, I'm quieter, I'm an observer, I like to think things through, I'm not like the more charismatic people or leaders in my company or that I see when I'm networking, and I feel like I have to be like that. And it's like, nope, nope, if that's not who you are, then it's going to feel like struggle and tension to be someone that you're not, and that is never good for anybody, and there is value and thinking things through and being an observer and seeing what other people might be missing. There's a lot of value in that. The key then is to be able to share it. That's kind of step two is when you do see something or have this idea, nobody's thinking of, you have to be able to express it. But we, we are each unique individuals. And when we can feel like we can stop hiding those, the pieces that really make us stand out, then uh, I think we feel more at ease. And it reminds me of my favorite quote, which is a Chinese proverb, tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. Oh, interesting. I love that. I love everything that you said there, like taking space and feeling like comfortable to take the space because you have every right to be there just as much as anyone else who's attending that event. Um, and I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the challenge because this is a topic... So this might be slightly off piece, but I'm really curious to explore this a little bit more with you if you're happy to. Sure. Um, because I, when it comes to bringing yourself, as you are, you, to a networking event, and I know that people have different opinions on this, which is wonderful because, you know, that's how we thrive and grow as individuals. I mm -hmm. always feel like I am happy to have a certain amount of vulnerability a word that I struggle with saying, um, and expressing when I come to networking. <laughs> and like, I have no issue with bringing my wit and my sarcasm and the humor that I rely on through everyday life to these events, because that's a big part of me. That's a big part of working with me. And that's a big part of kind of who I am as an individual. But I also feel like when I go to a networking event, I do try and the the phrase that I used was bring my best self and it's I try and bring the version of me that I know is going to be the best representation of my business and my brand and I don't know whether that's just because my personal brand and me as an individual are slightly different my personal brand is a lot more consistent than my personal emotional roller coaster that I'm going through a lot of the time <laughs> so yeah it's I'm curious because I always feel that there, and this is again, anyone who's listening, you can pull me up on this. This is totally fine. I am aware that I'm doing that whole, I am judging myself harsher than I would judge other people. I would never judge someone else for sharing how they're struggling within their business. It is not something that I feel comfortable sharing in a networking environment. And I just feel like that's that level of vulnerability. Um, yeah, that I find quite tricky to express when I'm in a networking thing because I worry that potential clients who may be there it would influence the way that they would respond to how I'm feeling does that make sense totally makes sense I often say we can teach individuals all the skills in the world on how to 
be more authentic or how to express their, themselves, you know, more confidently, build relationships, network. You can teach those skills all day long. And people in, you know, intuitively and, and logically, they have them. They know what they're supposed to do. And if the environment you are in does not support that, then all those skills don't matter much. I have had groups, I've worked with people over the years, um, and I've had people, you know, I had this one, one young woman at an advertising agency. She was an early, early career, and it was a presentation workshop. And by the end of it, she said, I actually enjoy presenting. I think the problem is the environment that I'm presenting in. Right. And, and that's a problem. Mm. So uh, when I, I've had people over the years ask me if I've ever considered being a therapist. And I'm like, excuse me, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Like, I just, I felt like that group was, was like, it was like therapy and it's not therapy, but it feels therapeutic because you're allowed, you know, as a leader, a part of our job is to create a safe space for people and not safe, like woo woo, but where they can express what's on their mind without a fear of judgment. And if that environment or that setting is not set up and that leader is not emotionally aware and does not create psychological safety, then you cannot have the conversations that will really create meaningful connection. So when she asked, if this woman asked if I had ever thought of becoming a therapist, it wasn't because I should become a counselor. It was my approach is you're safe here. You know, this is, this is a, you can trust me. I mean, that's my number one. If you don't trust me, we have a problem. I don't care if you like me, you need to trust me. Um, and that, that's, you know, that's such an important and overlooked component of walking into a room full of strangers is what, what is the leader? What kind of environment is the leader setting? And if nobody's even at the door, that gives you everything you need to know right there. So when I do my groups, you know, when the pandemic first started and I brought these online, I told everybody straight away because most were solo professionals. And I said, look, this is not easy. This stinks. This is hard. A lot of us, including myself, lost all the business that we had booked because it was, you know, in person. This is so, let's talk about it. Like, it's okay to not feel okay right now because this sucks. And for anybody to think that we can just move online and go to businesses as usual, no, absolutely not. We have to be able to acknowledge what is happening right here and right now. And so a lot of the conversations at my events in the beginning, not so much anymore, but in the beginning were, so how are you doing? Like, how are you feeling emotionally? What's happened? Have you lost business? How are you? So we were having this shared experience in a setting where I gave them permission that this is okay to talk about um, and, and let's be real about it. And it worked. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that what you said about having the leader of the group or the leader of that space making it feel like it's a space where you can be yourself really must be key to it. Because huge. And there are so many networking groups that I've been to where I don't actually know who runs them. You just kind of sign up, you buy your ticket, you rock up. And I think that it's kind of easier with Zoom as well because you're not even having to worry about where you're rocking up. Like we were saying earlier, it's kind of opened it up globally even. So you could be rocking up to somewhere that you have literally never met a single person in your in your entire life in that area. So trying to connect and, and share yourself in a vulnerable way would feel yeah would feel really difficult 
So again, I guess we're just coming back around to that whole, it's so important to find the right networks for you. It is. And, you know, I want to be clear. I don't want, I don't want to think that people who are running their own groups don't have good intentions. Oh, no, not of, course, at all. of course they do. Uh, and I, because this is something I had to learn over the years is how do you build trust? How do you get people to open up to you and, and ultimately do what you want them to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, as leaders, we need to have influence or sell a service or something. So it was something I personally got curious about over the years. And I, I just think it's not something that's taught so, a lot, you know, and, and people do have good intentions. The other part we have to keep in mind is the difference between the extrovert and the introvert. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that they do open up is very different and being able to recognize that and say, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of reflection time first can be really helpful for the introvert to gather their thoughts and then do a small group activity so they can talk to one or two people that tends to be a little more comfortable and then have a bigger group discussion if it fits what you're doing. And that, you know, whether, whether the quieter folks speak up or not in the large group, doesn't matter at that point because they still had an opportunity to share in a smaller group. And in the end, we all want to feel seen and heard. So breaking it up that way too, and um, not forcing people to open up in a large group can also be very useful and valuable. Yeah, I love that. I think also the point that I was trying to make that maybe I didn't clarify very well, because it was just screaming in my own head was that (laughs) as attendees of these networks we hold a certain amount of responsibility as well we hold that responsibility on ourselves to make sure that we are making the decisions of choosing the groups that do feel right for us that we're doing our research to make sure that we are aware of what the group is going to be maybe the format a lot of it you can't tell until you're experiencing it for the first time but there is a lot of responsibility on us to make sure that you know, whoever is leading the group, an individual or a network or whatever, they're not going to be aware of your individual needs. um, And you need to take a certain amount of responsibility. So if you know that you are super shy, maybe look for groups that do encourage, like you were saying, the smaller groups and breakout rooms. And if you can't find that information, you can ask. Like you can always find out mm-hmm. who was organizing it. There will always be an email address because that's how you get your Zoom link at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yep. So you can always ask these questions um, and don't feel that you are being difficult in any way because mm-hmm. if you need to plan and prep before to feel comfortable and to show up for your business in whatever way that you choose and you need to plan and prep, then by all means, just pop them an email and just say, hey, look, you know, how, what's the format for this? What kind of, how does the general flow go? How many people do you expect? Absolutely. We have to take charge. We have to know ourselves and then be able to, you know, so that we can find that right environment. Absolutely. It's one of the things I tell people, know your goals, know the environment, do your research. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. So when it comes to um, getting the most from the networking, either the groups or the individual meetings and kind of what you would recommend from your experience of running the group, have you found that there are particular methods that seem to work best for getting the most out of the groups and the events? Uh, you mean online? Yeah, online. Yeah, we'll go with online because I think that's probably going to be continuing for a while. <laughs> I know. At least a hybrid. They're so they're really so efficient. 
I mean, the way I can share the way I run my groups and it seems to work really well. People really like it. Uh, I do a, a quick, some sort of fast paced icebreaker activity at first, just to get people, you know, energized and in the headspace. It always relates to something around uh, networking and connection, but something fun and upbeat that everybody can participate in as a group. And then I jump into the first breakout session. Um, and I always provide some sort of conversation starter. And then uh, we do a, a group, big group debrief, either verbally or using the whiteboard or something. So everybody gets a chance to share something relevant from the smaller group. Uh, and then I do a, and then I do my announcements midway. And then we do a second and third, if there's time, third breakout session. And so I always have different conversation starters for those. And lately I've been testing out, Zoom has a functionality now where people can, you can set up breakout rooms with themes or keep them general and people can actually move themselves around now. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's been a little tricky to get people to understand, <laughs> but I'm like, we're going to be networking in person at some point. You have to, you have to still remember how to move around the room. So, um, so I've been, you know, I'm always testing out some of the new functionalities, but I keep things moving. Like I said, every few minutes we're doing something new. There's a new conversation. They're talking to people, but I use small groups. I do not do the big group introductions or anything like that. Um, and then before you know it, they've been networking for an hour and we're done. And then I send a spreadsheet with contact information so they can follow up afterwards. And I, and I'm a big encourager of, you know, don't just send an email, like set up some time to talk, have a conversation, really get to know somebody and, and then have the consistency to stay in touch and keep that relationship going. That's awesome. I love that. I think that that's a, I think that it's got elements of most of the networking things that I've been to and taking out a couple of things that I think we're all very used to, which is the whole around the room, around the room with your pitches. So for the individuals that attend, say you had someone who was rocking up for the first time, what kind of advice would you give them for them to be able to kind of walk away with feeling like they got the most out of that time? I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we can do is I think dig in, like we said earlier, is be excited about what you're offering, you know, know why you're showing up here. And that has to do with, you've got something that you're so excited about. You can't help, but share it with somebody. So make sure that whatever you've started or you're promoting, you really feel that energy around, because if you feel it, you're going to be able to talk about it a lot easier and other people are going to pick up on the energy behind it. It, it, it. And I speak from experience. There have been times when I've promoted things and I'm like, oh God, why am I, why am I talking about this? You can, you can tell the difference. Uh, the other thing is don't, you know, not to go in with that mindset of I got to get clients because mm. um, it sends off a desperate energy. Yeah. But go in thinking, who, who can I meet today? Um, you know, we always, the, the old cliche is you got to give to get. And then I always caution people, especially women, don't give too much and make sure you're not, you know, make sure you're getting something in return, but, but go in and with the mindset of, can I meet three new people and continue that conversation? Yeah. I love that. I think one of my goals, whenever I go networking is always like, I want to have at least one good conversation where I laugh and someone else laughs. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Laughter is a great connection mm-hmm. tool. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then I think the only other advice I would have for any listeners, something that I've experienced on both sides would be um, if you're feeling shy, you can still speak up. Like you can still, exactly like you were saying earlier, Stacey, you still have that, you can still take up space. That's okay. So you can put your your opinion and your view through. And if you're on the flip side of that and you've noticed that someone hasn't said anything, invite them to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we don't all work the same way. Some of us need invitations to have a conversation. We need to be invited for our opinion to be shared. So make that space if they're not making the space for themselves. And that's leadership. I talk, I actually talk about that on my networking calls when we do the breakout rooms because I can't be in all the rooms. And I, I go through the facilitation process. I say, pick a timer, you know, or the person with the brightest shirt is going to be your timer. I try to keep it simple, but timer, facilitator, and I let them know this is the facilitator's job and you have permission to interrupt people and you have permission to make sure everybody, you know, gets airtime to speak and things like that. So it's, um, because I think those are skills that are, they're not taught and we all need to know them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, like, just like we were sharing at the beginning, remember what your first networking event was like and remember how you felt and what you would have maybe appreciated mm-hmm. and then just yep. pay that forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to show up, we have to speak up and we have to create those connections. And that's the three components for me. Mm-hmm. that I always talk about. Yeah, I love that. And again, all connection, all relationships and all that emotion as well, that emotional side. Be excited about your business. Yeah, it's okay to be excited. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> we need people excited. I love talking about, I love talking about my business. I love hearing other people being passionate about anything, like mm-hmm. literally I know. anything. <laughs> so yeah, go forth. Nail the, nail the networking. Um, so from everything that we've discussed today, Stacey, what would be the one key piece of advice that you would like to share with the listeners who are either considering networking or maybe finding that they haven't found their tribe just yet? Nice big broad question to end I know. <laughs> the, the biggest networking tip or insight or something? Yeah. I... I mean, keep doing the work, keep showing up, you know, until you find that, that space. Um, and, and part of that is, is leaving a group if it's not fitting, you know, y- your needs anymore, but keep doing the work and keep showing up because the world needs you and they need your ideas. I love that. That's a wonderful, wonderful piece to end on. So thank you so, so much for joining me today, Stacey, and sharing all of these insights. I think that it's just been, yeah, it's been magnificent to hear kind of the insights from how you run them and also sharing your experiences of, as, as a networker from a business perspective as well. Thank you for having me. Perfect. And listeners, to find out more about Stacey, her business, and the events that she runs, join us back here on Thursday when she'll be sharing her business journey with us so far in the next Brand Story episode. And until then, I would really love to know if this has encouraged you to give networking a try, or if you already network regularly, come and share your advice and experience over in our community on Instagram or Facebook. All of the links for Stacey and for the 
Brand Lounge community will be in the show notes as always. And I will see you in the Brand Lounge.